welcome to the Zenial Dome's Little Dome. My name is Gareth Gwynn. And I'm Essel Sears. And this is the version of the Zenial Dome podcast where we look at this month in Zenial history. And this week I've brought a month along and I've gone for August 1999. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> is this the, the month after your A-levels? Am it right? is, yeah. Yeah, because this is the one after my GCSEs. Oh, okay. I think, um, I think you would have celebrated the end of your GCSEs very differently to how I celebrated the end of my A-levels. Why? why? Did, you did something particularly... We, we went on an 18 to 30s holiday. Did you? Yeah. An actual 18 to 30s an holiday. An actual one with reps. How was that? So much fun, but awful at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> we spent so much money on watered down drinks. Where in the world was it? Costa Brava. There was like nine of us. We all fell out by the end. Oh. <laughs> it was just perfect. <laughs> August 1999. The big news, the really big news that you couldn't escape in Britain was the eclipse. (gasps) Okay. Happened in Cornwall. Yeah. It was weirdly big news. Mm. Very exciting. Um, It was the first time that an eclipse was going to come over the UK in... Well, I I vividly remember we were driving as a family to Machantleth. Right. Where um, we would sometimes go on holiday and we were going to a caravan where my grandfather was already there and we got there as the eclipse was happening and as we got out of the car my grandfather went thing is when you've seen one eclipse you've seen them all (laughs) 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 otherwise this was this was a big deal (laughs) i love Um, how your granddad was just over it (laughs) yeah he was it was really (laughs) (laughs) but then i wonder as well because because it's august because it's a slow news month like did it get that much attention because there was basically nothing else? You can watch the TV coverage of it on YouTube, mm. which I've done. And the problem is, is the BBC of... I remember the adverts. They were going out... Because all the adverts as well were like, the eclipse is coming, the eclipse is coming. Don't look at it. The eclipse is coming, the eclipse is coming. Don't look at it. It's coming. So um, so the BBC were going to go really big on it. They had Michael Burke at the scene with experts. Yeah. Then they had Patrick Moore somewhere else, Falmouth, I think. And then as the eclipse starts to happen, clouds cover the sky. So the BBC have a plane <laughs> to film it from the air. Oh and my so God. what you're watching is Michael Burke and a bunch of experts watching it on a TV screen in a what looks like a sort of gazebo on a cloudy day. It's a very odd bit of television and it's you know it's very impressive i'm all for i'm all for space i love it so um, <laughs> I'm, all the, for space. I'm a big fan um and then they go to patrick moore and patrick moore is is gives a very weird i mean you know you don't go to patrick moore and go like do you know what that came across as really normal uh, <laughs> that's never happened but Patrick Moore is sat on a bench. There are school children all around him. But Patrick Moore is talking as though he's seen something very frightening. He's like, a strange air took over. Right, <laughs> he becomes yeah. quite poetic about it. Um, so what time of day was this? It was in the morning. It was about 11am. But it's one of those things where there's a load of weird details okay. about the way people behaved around the eclipse. 200 passengers paid £1,500 each to travel on two Concorde jets 
that followed the eclipse. Okay. So that you would always be in eclipse land. Did Richard Branson charter this? (laughs) (laughs) So I found found out about this thing and I found a little clip of people doing it. But what's funny about it, as far as I can tell, it was only a short clip, is they have made no attempt to change the plane to suit the fact that people are only in the plane to look out of the window. So, you know that thing where you're on a plane and something's out of the window people want to see. And obviously the person next to the window gets a great view. And then the one next one in has to like lean across them. And then the one next one in has to lean across them. Yeah. They have to do that. But the only reason they're in the sky is to look out oh the window. Oh my God. So the footage is a lot of people doing that weird thing where they're like leaning against the window to try and get a look at the eclipse with their... With their glass, with their oh yeah, not very, directly, very, very dark yeah. glasses and all that sort of stuff. Sorry, did you say how much they paid for that? One thousand five hundred pounds. Actually, that seems quite cheap. Well, this would be one thousand five hundred pounds, like twenty odd years ago, wouldn't it? I guess it'd be twenty four years ago. Yeah, but you, but uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that's worth to get in a Concorde and chase an eclipse. It, you know, you can't do it every day. No. It's just quite exciting. Um, Your granddad wouldn't have been bothered. He wouldn't have. Spent he wouldn't have been money, bothered. No. <laughs> <laughs> when's when's the next one? We're going to have a partial eclipse in 2025. Okay. And we're going to have a total eclipse on the 23rd of September 2090. <laughs> which means <laughs> if you're a zenial, you will be somewhere in the region of 110 years old. <laughs> but that's plausible. Yeah, yeah. Now? Yeah, you might you might be around for it. God, it's going to be Cornwall again. Really? Yeah, same track, uh... pretty much. Slightly further north. But the maximum duration will be in Cornwall. I love the fact that we know that on the 23rd of September, 2019, Cornwall will get a solar eclipse for two hours, ten seconds. <laughs> And you can Something... guarantee it'll be cloudy. <laughs> <laughs> something must... Surely something could happen to change that prediction. Uh, the moon, sun and earth need to go out of sync. And if that happens, we have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know who's who's done well out of this? And he's he's obviously tracked... Um, the lunar calendar um, is Rick Stein. Rick Stein opening restaurants down in, in Cornwall. Oh, do you think that's what it is? Yeah, always, I reckon. Like, Where's the next lunar eclipse? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna open my restaurant just because I know there's gonna be two minutes, ten seconds of great business. <laughs> Second of August, 1999. Des Lynam defected and moved to IT. <gasps> I remember big, that. Big, big news. Yeah. Um, all the press releases, so I spent a bit of time last night reading the press releases, no one was expecting it. Okay. Least of all, the BBC, because he was meant to be presenting much the day that Saturday. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he really caught them off guard. All the news reports said Mr. Lennon was due to present BBC One's flagship football show, Match of the Day, which begins a new series on Saturday. (gasps) Uh, He added that he had taken advice and believed he was not in breach of his BBC contract as a result of deciding to leave. 
I mean, you, you could just not mention that. Yes. <laughs> the fact the fact it was mentioned in the report made me go, oh, so that must have been a bit of a thing. He'd done three decades of the BBC, but he thought he'd become a little stale. And he said, I'm not here today to knock BBC Sport. They've done a marvellous job for me. I hope I've done the same for them. I'm sad to be leaving. A couple of questions. Go on. What would be the personal personal reasons that would make it the right time to go to ITV? Well, there was a couple of things. I think he'd never done... Um, is it European, the like Champions League final and things like that? Okay. There were like some things that through BBC Sport he'd never done that he mentioned. And the other personal reason I'm going to guess is absolutely sackloads of cash. <laughs> I don't think you can dismiss <laughs> that. But what I thought was interesting was the quite gracious way in which he said, yeah, I know I'm going with like a couple of days notice, but thanks to BBC Sport, no hard feelings. Cheerio. Mm. Compare with Noel Edmonds, who a week later announces he is leaving the BBC because its programmes are too boring. <laughs> <laughs> There's oh no mucking around God. with Noel. Noel's just, I'm gone, you're boring. That's so and he's funny. Out. So, and then what is really interesting is that he was immediately, like days after mm. this, they announced that his replacement would be Gary Lineker who was paid £500,000 uh, five-year contract to become the BBC's new face of football coverage. So and he's he been there ever since, hasn't he? Ever since, yeah. He would have been still f- former footballer Gary Lineker. Yeah. It's really funny, isn't it? Because I, I was thinking about this the other day with, with Gary Lineker, how so many people much younger than us will only know him from presenting. I am like this with David Ewan because I first came across David Ewan as a politician (laughs) and finding out that he had, at the time, 25 years of, like, albums behind him. Yeah. It was like finding out that Ed Miliband had been in a Britpop band. (laughs) I was like, what? That's really funny. Yeah. Um, More TV moves, (laughs) and this one was controversial. Um... Lisa Tarbuck replaced Kelly Brook on The Big Breakfast <gasps> after Kelly Brook got sort of hounded out by the press. Yes. And this was one of those stories I had completely forgotten. And the moment I read it, it all came flooding back. Because Denise Van Outen had left The Big Breakfast. There'd been a big fuss as to who would replace her. They'd had, they'd had loads of standing yeah. presenters. And then they picked Kelly Brook. And Kelly Brook was 19 and it was seen as this really big deal that they picked this 19-year-old and she started and then the press started really picking her up on the fact she was mispronouncing words. <gasps> you know, in that again, in that really cool way the press do. Okay, because I remember this. I remember all this happening. Yeah. She was only 19? She was 19. <gasps> she took over in February and she handed in her notice in Ju- July and then Lisa Tarbuck started in oh. August. Oh my god. It seems that while on holiday word had got out that she had been sacked whereas actually she handed in her notice. They were reporting that script writers had been told to keep difficult words to a minimum on the auto queue. Oh. So there was all this sort of stuff in the air and she just went I've had enough and uh, knocked <sighs> it on the head. And when Lisa Tarbuck started, she started and said in the press 
Uh, it was cruel behaviour to build someone up and knock them down. Some people should be ashamed of themselves. Oh, good for her. It's a very 90s tabloid story, actually. And even if you didn't watch The Big Breakfast, this seemed to be a thing people were talking about. Yeah, because she was quite big in the tabloids anyway, wasn't she? Because like, she was a mm. model. Yeah. And that's kind of how she came to prominence. But I don't know. Like It feels like they didn't really help her. So so if she if she was really green and didn't really know what she was doing and, and she was young as well so so regardless of, of whether you because I'm, I'm imagining the tabloid th- just thought she was stupid well I think, it is, I think it is interesting that it sounds like that they did try and help her and then that got spun oh. in the press as a bad thing oh god because the, the, they asked could they adapt the way she worked in terms of the autocue, in terms of what scripts they gave her and things like that. But that got spun to the press that she couldn't cope. So actually, I, I, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, no. but it is interesting that the story of them adapting the show to try and help her was spun as a bad thing. Yeah. It is an odd thing that the press really hounded this, I think. It's concept. very... If the reaction I'm having to it, the physical reaction I'm yeah. having to this story, is very similar but milder. Um, to Monica Lewinsky. It's yeah, I know what I do know what you mean. Feeling yeah. like being hounded by the press, like and kind of blaming her for something, and and making her like the victim of something that actually people around her. I I, I don't know. Like there's something. I think it's an odd time when breakfast TV was a big battleground that was discussed in the press. The idea of to have been rescued by Denise Van Outen and Johnny Vaughan in the yeah. you know, in the way that it was the narrative was told, and then when Denise Van Outen left, then there was this: oh, how are they going mm. to do it? And you wonder if the audacity to give it to someone so young yeah. was seen as a um, a mark against them mm. in the press. Did you did you used to watch it? No, I didn't really because no. there was no time for television in our house in the morning. No. So apart from a little bit of the summer holidays, to be honest, and we never had it on. We never had the telly on in the morning as we left the house. No. We didn't have a telly in the kitchen. Because, yeah, because we weren't allowed to watch TV before school. Like, genuine question. How did any kids have time to watch breakfast? <laughs> The mornings in our house were like that bit at the start of Home Alone, where they all had to get in the car. Like they were like a military operation, but a bad military operation. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what it is? I think the kids who would watch it are kids who had TVs in their rooms. Oh yeah, maybe we woke up and it was then just a sort of frantic dash <laughs> to uh, to eat showers, a lot of shouting. Yeah. Of bathroom's free like a sort of bugle call how how many kids were in your house there was only two, two. There was only two. But, but we all used to go to school in the one car right we'd, yeah we'd drop everyone off at their place of work or school i love the idea of like channel four executives just trying to pin you guys down how can, oh, we, yeah. how can we get to these guys how can we get to these people uh, by Putting it on in the evening would have been the answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and I'm going to end on another TV story. This is quite a sad one. Oh, no. August 
1999, one of the two fat ladies died. Oh. Jennifer Patterson. She was 71. The first thing that I didn't realise, there were only 24 episodes of the two fat ladies. What? I know. Okay. If you just if you just literally put a zero at the end of that, I'd have gone like, yeah, that makes sense. I'd have thought that was... It's like, 20... it, that's like Faulty Towers numbers. Yes. <laughs> Is that it? It's like... 24 episodes of the two fat ladies their rise to fame must have been very fast so at the time as i remember you were jamie oliver you had um delia smith antonia carluccio who i loved Mm. and two fat ladies in my head they're the ones that i remember like having their own programs yeah if you were really lucky, you got a repeat of Keith Floyd absolutely yeah. hammered somewhere, which was always brilliant. Hammered and on a boat as well would be oh, the... Just the best. I love Keith Floyd. Absolutely love it. I thought that the two fat ladies, I mean, as well, let's deal with that as a name. Oh, <laughs> like God, yeah. I was going to ask about that. Like, you, you couldn't name no. that now. No. Um, so the two fat ladies, as they are known mm. as a group... They were 19 years apart in age. Yeah, I remember there was an age gap. But they so, looked exactly the same age. Yeah, so, so Jennifer Patterson was 71. Clarissa Dixon Wright was 52. We can't move on without dealing with Clarissa Dixon Wright's full name, which is Clarissa, Teresa, Philomena, Eileen, Mary, Josephine, Agnes, Elsie, Trilby, Louise, Esmeralda, Johnson, Dixon Wright. Trilby? <laughs> Trilby! I know that was the one. <laughs> Wow. That's the point where you go, oh, there was something else written on that piece of paper and that's just been accidentally... I mean, because... And also there's posh and then there's just... Yeah. It it made me think that Jennifer Patterson must have felt (laughs) in a different league to... Clarissa, Teresa, Philomena, Riley, Mary, Josephine, Agnes, Elsie, Trilby, Louise, Esmeralda, Johnson, Dixon. Did they? Did she have all those names in the credits in the TV? Yeah. Credits? <laughs> Twenty-four episodes. One of them is just crediting. <laughs> um, so, if you've never seen Two Fat Ladies, piecing together what we said so far, it was a cookery show where two women who called themselves the Two Fat Ladies went around the country in a motorbike and cooked food that was so unhealthy it led to like a national discussion about our (laughs) state of eating in the country (laughs) but they were very much from like the old school like my grandmother's type of cooking like putting everything in lard and tripe yeah and you know that kind of stuff so let me read a description of one of the things they cooked because i feel like this is exactly the sort of thing so while cooking at westminster cathedral Dixon Wright demonstrated a bubble and squeak recipe which used two ounces of lard, which she insisted is the only fat besides beef dripping that could ever get hot enough to produce the recipes it should be produced. Similarly, her recipe for buttered spatchcock saw chickens covered in a thick layer of butter, bread, and more butter on top of the bread. Recipes such as this led to criticism by some who considered them to be a bad influence on the British diet. Optimum Television had this to say... The ladies are cooks, not chefs. They reject the pretensions and elaborations of haute cuisine and are aggressively unfashionable, delighting in such ingredients as clotted cream, lard and fatty meats. Oh, yes, please. (laughs) Good for them. Do you know know what? And actually, I think, looking back at it now and knowing what we know now about so much processed foods, just to think about all the 
artificial stuff that you put into your body I genuinely think like and that's how I've tried to raise my kids up until this point is that a little bit of everything is fine like as long as everything's in moderation you can have a bit of butter you can have you know whatever (laughs) I just this there was an obsession I think at the time with um with dieting yeah yeah you know so so you you, actually to to have been commissioned i think at the time this type of program that was very much based in medieval cookery (laughs) well there's a i think you're right there's like when you said like oh everything in moderation is fine i think these two actively (laughs) derided the concept of moderation sure in everything yeah Um, thinking about them and like the opening titles of their program and stuff is very evocative like i i would make notes like with with all the cookie pros especially antonio carluccio but with all of them it was opening up a whole new world of of food and and cookery and stuff or or in their case like taking me right back to henry the eighth opening up a world of food closing up a world of arteries (laughs) it's just (laughs) oh god love her Oh, she, they were great. Her life, her life story. I mean, the life story of the pair of them is quite something. She was the cook for the Ugandan embassy. Wow. <laughs> like that was where she sort of learned to <gasps> bizarrely worked for Candid Camera and then became a food writer on The Spectator. But I feel like if you look at her list of credits, you really get a sense for how what her rise to fame was like. Yeah, because she did the TV program Food and Drink in 1993 which is the one where jimmy goulden became famous which i used to like even as a kid i found that hilarious the way that she was getting like slowly (laughs) sozzled on like whatever (laughs) so then they do two fat ladies in 1996 the rest of her cv so they're only famous for like three years Mm. have i got news for you the end of the year show songs of praise the rosie o'donnell show the tonight show with jay leno uh good morning america Clearly, they just become globally famous. Was it only three, three years? Yeah, only in, th- in only three years and twenty-four episodes. Uh, people must have been absolutely crying out for chicken cooked in like three different <laughs> types of fat. I'm gonna have to cook one of their recipes, I think, because now I'm thinking. Because I, I don't think I ever did. I don't think I ever, in all the time of watching their episodes, I don't think I ever made anything. Check if they're still on the BBC website, but if they are, I bet they'll be under like some sort of massive red band. <laughs> 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 the dark web. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, August 1999. Yay! I liked that. That was a good one. Yes, yeah, so it's it's an, a weird one, isn't it? More TV news than I was expecting, but actually it's because nothing else was really happening yeah. in the world. We were just all sitting. We were either sitting, watching The Big Breakfast, Two Fat Ladies, or The Eclipse because you couldn't <laughs> see it because of the clouds. <laughs> so that was the... <laughs> if you want to cook a Two Fat Ladies recipe and show it to us, then <gasps> um, email thezenadzoverhotmail.com yes. or send it to us on our socials. Because are you going to do that? Are you gonna... I think I might, yeah, because I it's really it's the school holidays at the moment and I've got some time, so I might, yeah, I might Cook do Cook a one. really big, stodgy dinner in the yeah. middle of the summer holidays. And I'll, yeah, and I'll take it over to my neighbours and <laughs> they'll be like, what? <laughs> God, yeah, something, yeah, something really hot and heavy. <laughs> something really... <laughs> uh, we will be back next week. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. 
Hello, tickets are now available for the Zenial Dome's Little Dome at Aberystwyth Comedy Festival on October the 1st at 8.30pm. Now, we're recording two episodes, uh, October 1997 and October 2011, and tickets are available at abbacomedyfest.co.uk, and ABBA is spelled A-B-E-R, and I'm saying that because I listened back to last week's and I definitely pronounced it like the Swedish band. Hope to see you there. <laughs>